We Watch Rewatch Podcast, a podcast with a group of sisters who get together and talk about old shows that we loved. I am Angelie. I'm Corinne. I'm Sherilyn. And today we are talking about that 70s show, season one, episode 12, The Best Christmas Ever. Before we start, though, I love to ask you guys how your week went, and please ignore my horrible voice. I came down with a cold this week, and I can hear how nasal I am, so I apologize. Life's been pretty good for me this week. I am actually going to be starting to work from home this coming week, so that's new and exciting for me, but that's about it. Big changes! Mm -hmm. Not having to drive every morning, that's awesome. Yep, 45 minutes each way, at least, and then drop off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm excited not to have that. Maybe I'll have like a 20 minute drop off period. Which is way better. Exactly. (laughs) I think, uh, no, the only thing exciting about my week, um, I heard an old song come on the radio, I think Saturday night, um, driving home from your house. And it was a Carpenter song. Oh, And, And it got me because it was like, oh man, like this really takes me back because I learned about the Carpenter's when we were kids like just because mom was usually the one in control of the music yeah. but i remember i learned all those songs way back when we were kids and then upon looking it up like they were making music like late 60s 70s uh, um up into the 80s until i guess uh yes. karen the singer mm-hmm. died but but uh, it was just like oh good memories like it was, i was almost home and it was just like me and me, me and my daughter in the car and it was just like oh a nice little nostalgic <laughs> yeah moment. I've had that because... Because it was a song, uh, every sha-la-la-la, like, so it was oh, the old school stuff talking about really old... really old one. Like, like a deep track. Yeah. It's a like, good throwback. Yeah, yeah. Because of just, like, the old lyric stuff, like, it was, it was the right place, the right time. That's a good one. <laughs> but no, I, I know what you're talking about. I've had that moment because, um, when I would drop off my kids at school, they used to do this thing where they ring the first bell and the kids all know it's, like, time to go line up. And then by the time five minutes passes, they ring a second bell. And if you're not, like, in line or with your class or whatever, you're late. You're considered late. They close all the gates and everything. And then you have to go through the office. But in that five-minute interim between the two bells, they used to play music, like, to get the kids excited for the day or whatever. And there have been times where it's been a rainy day schedule, especially on a Monday. And they'll play Rainy Days and Mondays by the Carpenters. And I'm like, oh, I love this. This is so good. Somebody's really enjoying their job and knows what they're doing. So I get that. I feel that. I think the only other thing I was going to bring up was just the excitement that my kid had leading up to this weekend was because for the last four months, he's been looking forward to going to Monster Jam. And Monster Jam just came Saturday night. And the boys went out all together. (laughs) And it was just, I'm sure, a good time. (laughs) Yes. Your son and my son got to go with their daddies and had a blast. So, yeah. But that meant that my son missed out on seeing the Mario movie with my daughters. Oh. It happened to be my nephew's birthday party the same day at the same time. And it was like a last minute thing that they put together. So my girls and I went to the birthday party and my husband and my son went to Monster Jam and they were so excited because they got to see the Mario movie as part of this party. And my son was, even though he got to go do Monster Jam, and you would think that that would be the coolest thing ever, he came home and was like, but how was the movie? Do I get to see it sometime? And I'm like, okay, they're all going to have to go see it again. They really enjoyed it. Definitely. <laughs> well, like I said, this is That 70s Show Season 1, Episode 12, The Best Christmas Ever. Our director, as always, was David Trainer. The writers on this episode were Terry Turner and Philip Stark. 
We had a lot of people listed as guest stars. I'm going to go through them quickly. Um, we have Marion Ross returning as Grandma Foreman. So if you are playing bingo with us, side note, we have bingo cards on our Instagram at we watch rewatch podcast. Um, there are eight different bingo cards that you can choose from. And as you watch the episode, you can mark things off with us that we see typically in a That 70 Show episode. But um, one of the squares says famous guest star. Last time we had Marion Ross as Grandma Foreman, we counted her as a famous guest star because of her history, her long history of lots of different work in Hollywood. Um, so you can mark that as well if you want to count her. Um, we also had Lisa Robin Kelly back as Lori Foreman. We have Sarah Hawkins as Lisa. Matt McKenzie as Patrolman Number One, Heidi Marshall as Jenny, and Megan Paul as Tracy. This episode originally aired on December 13th, 1998. Well, starting us off on this episode, this episode doesn't start with our usual black screens telling us the place or the date. Instead, we get to hear the opening line of, You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, and we see the kids watching TV in the basement. The gang is in their very casual 70s clothes with lots of sweaters, jeans, long sleeves, and shirts. And Fez is wearing a sweater vest over patterned pants. Jackie's sweater stands out as the most festive with red and green stripes all across it. And Donna's looks more casual in a baseball t-shirt and jeans. It's Jackie's hair that really screams the 70s though with the top section pulled back into a slicked ponytail with small ringlets for bangs on either side of her forehead. Donna starts the episode by saying the Grinch has a big butt, which I don't know about you. I didn't really notice that. I just thought he looked like more like a pear growing yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, he's like round, but I never had thought about it until she said the words, man, the Grinch has a big butt. And I'm like, oh, he does. He got a badonk. Yeah. Hey, but the TVs were of different qualities way back then. But I still, I mean, a badonk is a badonk. Yes, but different TV quality, different pixelation. But the screen also would, like, bubble out. Mm, that's good. <laughs> I don't know if that would add to the effect. They got a dumb truck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yep. Grinch has it going on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm going to bring us back or else we're going to derail. <laughs> I think we're already off. <laughs> sorry, audience. Okay, Sorry. She starts decorating the tree behind the couch, and Eric tells the group that his parents will be throwing a neighborhood Christmas party on Christmas Eve. Apparently, the neighbors use this as an excuse to stand under the mistletoe and sloppily make out with each other, which, I don't know about you, that'd be kind of gross, like, to make out with a neighbor. Hey, do you, neighbor. Yeah, like, do you think he's uh, referencing the actual spouses of the people, or are they, like, swapping spouses here? I, it's the 70s. That's the thing. I would not put it past them to be, like... Maybe they're single it's, friends. It's just, a, yeah, maybe the single neighbors. Mm, let me just come up thing. and kiss you. Yeah, well, the makeout sounds he, he that he makes with his mouth oh, the were tongue. so Ugh. gross. But it's Eric, so could he be over-exaggerating a little bit? I mean, there's a chance. Most likely, but still, yeah. <laughs> yeah the image is not a, a friendly one. Exactly. Donna asks how the tree looks, and both Eric and Hyde look at her butt and comment about how nice it looks. She points out that the ornaments are on the tree, and they finally look at him and say, oh yeah, that's fine. Uh, Jackie talks about how excited she is for the holidays, especially the shopping. She says that she gives to the unfortunate. When Donna tries to clarify that she means less fortunate, she says, whatever, bums. <laughs> okay, the first time I ever saw this episode, when Donna says, guys, the ornaments are up here, 
I 100% expected them to then look at her boobs as the ornaments and then just be like, oh, there's the ornaments hanging. But I mean, it, it doesn't go that far. I don't know if that would have been a bridge too far for TV in the 90s. But every time that's where I expect the joke to go. And then it doesn't, thank goodness. But that's I, that's just where my brain always went with that joke. I mean, to be fair, her butt was at eye level, so it makes sense that they looked there. Right. But then when she points up, it's not like she's pointing across her body or anything. Like, it's it's very casual still, so I feel like they could have still misinterpreted where she was pointing. But, again, I'm glad that they didn't. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been too far, but I always expected it. Just then, Kitty comes downstairs in an extremely festive getup. She's wearing a red checkered shirt and matching green pants and vest with a gold pin on her chest. You know what? Out of everybody in this episode, I have to say, there are a couple people that I think are tied for most festive in their outfits. I think Jackie and Kitty are both just bringing it in this episode. They're like the holidays. I want to... Exactly. I think Kitty is edging her out a little bit more, though. Yeah, I think for sure. But, like, Jackie's definitely in a a close second, but Mm -hmm. Kitty is... Kitty's all about that festive wear this episode. Kitty immediately switches the TV from the Grinch to the Holiday Inn. She does the typical mom thing where she tries to sing along, but instead sings a little ahead of the TV and doesn't actually know all the words. Laughing at herself, she asks Eric to help grab her some Christmas decorations, and the two head into the back room of the basement. The other kids sit and talk about what kind of presents they would like. Kelso likes Lightbright, but Hyde starts asking Donna what she would get if somebody gave her $6 and some change. Donna thinks it doesn't matter as long as the gift is personal and sentimental, and Jackie tells Kelso that what's personal and sentimental to her is diamonds. Suddenly, Eric and Kitty are screaming and Kitty runs upstairs. Eric explains that while looking through the decorations, they found the Christmas rat. As soon as the rat is mentioned, most of the kids bail out of the basement, but Kelso runs over and tries to catch a glimpse of it. <laughs> Cue the credits. The license plate at the end of this credit roll says 76. Mm-hmm. And it's the last one that's going to show 76. Future episodes are going to show a 77, like, tag on the license plate as we move forward through the 70s. Which reminds me, I've always wondered why they started in the mid-70s. Wouldn't you think that if they were going to start that 70s show, they would start it earlier in the 70s to have a more longer, like, a longer run? I think that it has to do with when the full swing of the decade came into play. Like, when disco was the most popular, mm. when all of the typical things that you think of for the 70s were really into full swing and I also don't think that they expected the show to run as long as it did I think they did the typical thing that like you know like a high school show will start everybody as like a sophomore and then by the end of season three they have to be graduating as seniors and they're like oh we didn't think about this we wanted a high school drama but uh we didn't think about the fact that we would be going longer than three seasons or whatever I think that that's kind of what they did with that 70s show and then they were like oh, um, we need the 70s to last a little bit longer. Crap, what do we do? It's kind of similar to the One Tree Hill. They started the high school, they moved forward to the college, and then their adult lives, like, they had to move the whole storyline yes. to it. Mm-hmm. So, I think it when I watched something about this, or I read something about, about the behind-the-scenes of all of that, once they realized how quickly they were going through the 70s, I think we get stuck in 78 for a couple of seasons, but we'll have to keep watching the license plate and that'll tell us more. 
We'll have to see count how many seasons are per year. Right. Well, it's interesting because we'll get a couple of different um, holidays over and over again in the <laughs> same year is what I think happens too. But we'll keep track of that. Does anyone remember our mom doing the same thing that Kitty does where she either doesn't sing on time with the actual lyrics or doesn't know the lyrics yes. or <laughs> sings a little off? Do you yes. remember our mother doing that? Just, <laughs> just to prove that she like is familiar with it or like... She's down with it, but then something is wrong with it. I but especially Lawrence Welk show. Oh, really? Yeah, she would do that all the time. I do not have any recollection of this. <laughs> I don't remember her doing it with the Lawrence Welk show. I remember her doing it with lots of other things. And Anytime like, she watched Donnie and Marie. Yeah. That is true. Just kind of la la da 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 <laughs> or whatever through it. Kind of how Kitty does in this episode. <laughs> And it's funny because I've noticed with myself, if I'm singing along to the radio and I mess up the lyrics, I tell the kids, it, the, like, my kids will notice it in the car and I'm like, oh man, like, I thought I knew that song. And I'm like, don't, don't turn into mom. Don't be the mom. Like, oh man, that's embarrassing. We're all headed there. We are. Just embrace it's, it. It's inevitable. The Foremans are gathered around the kitchen table and Lori is home from college for Christmas. Lori, Eric, and Red are all wearing different knit sweaters, but Lori's has a blue and brown pattern, and the sweater combined with her high-waisted bell-bottom jeans and blue eyeshadow really sell the 70s look. Kitty asks Lori if she is seeing anyone special at college. She bluntly replies that she likes to date around. Eric is quick with calling his sister a slut <coughs> in the manner of a cough. And I said, ding, 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 mark it off your bingo cards, Eric insults Lori. Kitty just says, bless you, and Eric tries changing the topic and begins asking his dad if he can throw a party in the basement instead of going to their annual Christmas party. To his surprise, Red says, fine. He just mopes around their party anyway. Kitty didn't like that and asks now, who's going to sing the high part of the little drummer boy? Lori tries to make a joke at Eric's expense, saying it's usually the job of the boy who can't grow facial hair. And I said, ding, 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 ding. Mark it off your bingo cards. Lori insults Eric. Eric very quickly tells Red that he also needs money. Red gives Eric some money with a set of directions on how it should be spent. Red wants Eric to pick out this year's Christmas tree and what money he doesn't spend on the tree can be used for the party. Eric reminds Red that he hates haggling with the tree salesman. Red firmly and gently tells him it's a part of being an adult. Red hands over $40 and Eric wants 50 Red tells Eric to knock it off and to pick out a good one. I love in that moment that he's like trying to tell Eric to haggle and Eric's like, okay, fine, I'll haggle. And then he's like, knock it off. Like, not with me. (laughs) (laughs) Kitty wants to know if she can still make some punch and some cookies. Ding, 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 ding. Mark it off your bingo cards. Um, This is Kitty babying Eric. Kitty babies Eric. Eric tries telling his mom no to both repeatedly before walking out of the kitchen. Kitty, by this time, is talking to the room and saying, you can't have a Christmas party without punch. That's just insanity. Like, she's whining. (laughs) I love that. It's just insanity. Like, really? (laughs) We need punch? Okay. But here's the thing. If they weren't, if he wasn't planning on uh, having any beverage, that would be insanity. You can't have a party without some kind of beverage for the group. Right. Let's just assume and know that Kitty doesn't know that I'm sure the boys are trying to plan on bringing something else. Oh, I'm sure she doesn't know that they're planning on beer, but you would think that she would think like sodas or I don't know, something. But I just love that she's like, you can't have a Christmas party without punch. Like that they have (laughs) to go hand in hand. Yes. (laughs) Also, let me just add that she probably doesn't 
know if Eric can fully plan for the party. Because, you know, when you have a party, you have to think of the food, buy the food, all you know, all the things that you're going to eat or the, to drink. And it costs money going back and forth to the store to get these items. And what money might Eric have left from the tree? Right. It's kind of one of those, mm, let me just get you this so you have something at your party but also babying eric <laughs> yeah i think yeah. she's just being the overbearing mom at that point definitely um so have you guys ever had to haggle for something mm, i don't think i had too much no <laughs> i don't I remember don't think, anything no i don't think i actually have the guts to haggle for anything i'm so bad about this stuff i would just like if somebody said this is the price i'd be like oh that's too much and like just kind of back down i don't say like oh well would you take this much i know that a lot of people do that especially on like facebook marketplace or whatever people will try yard and get sales. you to like yeah or at a yard sale people will try and talk you down i am not the kind that does that i'm just like oh okay i don't need it for that much and then i like walk away okay so i actually now that you say that i i lied so when we were getting our um stroller and car seat for my daughter before she was born it was about three or four weeks before she was born we found one it was the the one we wanted but they only had the floor model and so we were like hey we see this is like an issue right here here and here and there and so we were like hey can you take some money off and they're like yes yes we can do that we they talk took off like a hundred bucks and they're like let's throw in an extra base for you too so <laughs> see, that's awesome so it does come in your favor if you ask for discounts you don't have to be rude about it and you don't have to be pushy you just be like hey xyz can you do this for me see and my husband is so good about that i'm always like embarrassed like don't ask for that don't ask for free stuff like no no they don't need to do that and he's always so good about being like well this is a problem can we do anything about that and i it always works out for him and i cannot do it i don't know what it is i physically can like not get myself to do it you have to speak up for yourself but we can derail on that i know, I know. <laughs> but logic use logic and usually people are like oh i, I didn't consider that maybe we can give you that yeah well, moving forward, Bob and Red are now working at Bargain Bob's when Red thanks Bob again for the job. Bob's outfit in this scene is surprisingly low-key for Bob. It's just a brown suit and pants and a darker brown shirt and a brown and white kind of, I think it's like a cowboy print tie. I couldn't quite tell. He still has his gaudy pinky ring, though, and his gold watch on. Bob tells Red how he feels like he's his second in command and then not so smoothly asks him to work on Christmas Eve. Red is confused why they would even be open because no one works on Christmas Eve, which that's such a 70s thing. Now everything's open all the time. Like it's insane. But apparently nobody works on Christmas Eve in 1976. Bob goes through a way too thought out scenario of a man driving home from work on Christmas Eve, realizing he forgot to buy a gift, seeing the store open, and then coming in and buying a fridge. Red doesn't seem convinced that this will happen, but he agrees to close the store. Bob tells him he's going to have to wear a Santa suit, and Red laughs it off. It seems like Red is kind of wising up to Bob's jokes after on Thanksgiving he uh, he got tricked by Bob. Remember he said, you'll have to call me Mr. Pinciotti. And then Bob was like, oh, I got you, you know. So Red's going, oh, you've got me. But Bob is saying that he's serious about the Santa suit. Red, though, insists that no, he got him there and he shut down the Santa suit idea for good. Later that night, we see Hyde and Eric standing around on the side of what looks like the highway. We can see they're behind a guardrail, and we hear the sound of a saw cutting through something. 
There's also snow on the ground, which I noticed is the first time that we've actually seen snow in the show, especially because I've been so curious about what the weather would be like at different parts of uh, the year. But now we actually see some evidence that we are in a cold part of the country. The boys have decided to cut down a tree instead of buying one, and they've decided that they're going to keep all the money for beer. And I said, ding, 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 mark it off your bingo cards. The kids want beer. As a car passes, Hyde and Eric give a car warning, and they both duck. And at that exact moment, Kelso pops his head up to ask, where? And he's in full sight of the headlights. So again, ding, 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 mark it off your bingo cards. Kelso has a dumb moment. Anyway, Kelso gets back down and he starts sawing for a moment, but then he gets back up to tell the guys that he's done. But the tree is still standing, so they're a little confused. Kelso says, no, I'm done, and hands the saw off to Hyde. I love Hyde's attitude. Fine, Kelso, can you believe this guy? And he's like, he takes the saw and he acts like he's going to angrily start cutting it down, but instead he walks over to Eric and hands him the saw. Eventually the tree gets cut down despite Hyde apparently writing his name in the snow very close to the tree. Okay, these guys are standing right next to the road. Like, I can understand not being able to hide the car, like if they needed to park the car off to the side of the road, but why couldn't they just go like a little bit further into the tree line and maybe cut down a tree that wasn't in full view of the highway? Or the three of them could walk back like five minutes worth, find a tree, and then walk walk it five minutes back to the car see yeah i i don't think that they wanted to drag the tree but the point is like if somebody just saw the abandoned car on the side of the road that's one thing maybe you think that the owner like ran out of gas or something but when you see the car on the side of the road and then you also see kids like hanging out there that's when you start to put two and two together that like hey, something's going on with this tree. I feel like they could have gone just into the tree line and not had anybody see them, and then the car wouldn't have been, like, as suspicious. I don't know. Like, that was a dumb moment for all of them. But also, I wonder, depending on the geography of the area, the area could have been very hilly, and so you couldn't go too far down off of the highway because it would be a steeper decline or incline or whatever. Okay, okay, good point. But then... Yeah, I just, I feel like they could have found somewhere else to maybe cut. True, true. Driven a little bit further out of town. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. But also gas shortage. But just the same, like, drive a little bit further, you're not spotted. They're probably too close to town, and that's probably why... Probably. I got noticed. I'm just thinking of all the potential scenarios. (laughs) You guys are all being awesome, like, devil's advocate, but, like... (laughs) They were just being dumb. Oh, obviously. Teenage boys. Come on now. Boys are dumb. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, (laughs) the boys show up to the foreman's house with their tree and start unloading it from the top of the Vista cruiser. As they grab it, it's clear that they're having a very hard time handling the size because Kelso literally ends up slipping underneath it and the whole thing comes down on top of him. (laughs) Which I don't think that was planned, but I... We'll come back to that. <laughs> you can kind of count this one as Kelso having a clumsy moment if you wanted to mark it off your bingo cards. I kind of saved that one for another moment later in the episode, but this does technically count if you do want to mark it off your bingo yeah. card. It's not the clumsy moment, but it's a close second, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Having a literal <laughs> tree fall on top of you as you like slid down. That's pretty clumsy. Exactly. But he just like acts like nothing happens and gets right back up. <laughs> he doesn't seem to mind, though. He's too busy saying they have $40 for beer and they shouldn't get any presents, so they'll have more money for beer. 
Kitty and Midge come out of the kitchen at this point, and Kitty is thrilled at how beautiful and fresh the tree is. And at that moment, a duck flies out of the branches right at Kitty. <laughs> I love that so much. It's so fresh. Out comes wildlife. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And it really takes her for a surprise. She spins around. <laughs> right? She's done for. Exactly. She turns around without saying anything and stumbles back into the house. <laughs> But like I was saying, I am very surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Ashton Kutcher in the scene where the tree comes off actually fell and that wasn't scripted. Right. It, it does seem like a very like Kelso thing, but it also seems like a thing that could have just happened and he just rolled with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. If he rolled with it, props to him. <laughs> right. Like that's hard to keep going in a scene when you literally just fell down. But <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Um, One thing that I was wondering at this point, if... You were a mother here, and a duck flies out of your tree. Out of your tree, it's very fresh. It's huge, and you only had forty dollars for it. Wouldn't that raise some flags for you? I mean, you think you really would think that that would be a clue when the duck comes out. Like the duck should have been something is amiss here, right? That's just one of those things where, like, where'd you get this tree? I wouldn't. I, a normal person, I feel like, would have been like, huh, let me, um, let me, uh, file this back. I, let me consider this. You know what, though? I have never actually purchased a live Christmas tree or a real Christmas tree, I should say. So I don't know, like, maybe things, maybe wildlife do get in on these Christmas tree lots and, like, hide in the trees. I don't know. I have no idea. I think my I think red flag. Less likely, but. I think my red flag is the size of the tree. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't the size of it and height of it give it away like, oh, this is not a typical tree that you get at the lot. Or the freshness. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. For me, it would have been a few red flags. As the others are distracted with the tree, High takes this opportunity to ask Midge what he should get for um, this girl who uh, who is about Donna's age. Mid suggests to Hyde that the perfume white shoulders would be great. You can wear it anywhere, like your neck or the mall. But the problem is, the bottle will cost $12. Hyde asks about crappy perfume instead, and Midge says she's not sure, but she'll call Bob's mom. The boy is next to come outside, and she's onto the boys. She calls out Eric for stealing the tree, and he tries to insist that he haggled for it. She doubles down that he stole the tree, and he fires back that she's flunking out of college. Lori's panicked look and quick, how did you know, is evidence that Eric is totally right, but he says he didn't know. After a volley of, shut up, no you shut up, from the two of them, they seem to reach an understanding, and Lori slowly backs away and says, okay. Eric agrees, okay, and the two have a truce. Do you guys ever remember having an understanding with a sibling that, like, neither of you would tell on any, on the other? Like, anything like this? Like, this Lori and Eric truce? I felt like we didn't have that many moments like that, though. No, I was trying to remember. I was trying to think back. And I was like, no, we would have just ratted each other out. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I don't think that we had anything that we had to hide like this. Well, I think for us, it wasn't so much that we were going to try to tell mom or anything. Um, if we were doing something stupid, usually involved another one of us. And so we were came to an understanding of, we won't tell mom. We're going to do this together. We're in this. If I, like if we all go down, or if one of us goes down, we're all going to go down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
But again, I was trying to think of like specific examples. And I was like, no, because mom always found out about all the things. Mm -hmm. Well, like, and if we did do something stupid, or if I caught you guys doing something stupid, I'd be like, dude, you're stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I don't think we really did too much like that. We didn't have their toxic relationship. Eh, we're codependent. It's a different thing. <laughs> we love each other. We love each other. And we're also codependent. But moving on. <laughs> the next scene must be the following day because we have new outfits on everyone. Lori is in a red long sleeve shirt that ties up in a knot in the front and high-waisted jeans. Grandma Foreman is at the house in a polka-dotted shirt and skirt combo and pearls. But Kitty is the most festive in a green velvet top and red skirt covered by what looks like a Santa apron. Not gonna lie, this is one of my favorite outfits from Kitty. (laughs) Oh, the velvet top and the the Santa (laughs) apron? I was looking at it and I was like, she kind of reminds me of, like, one of our great aunts. Like, it's the kind of things that she would wear around Mm -hmm. the holidays. Like, a very old-fashioned apron that probably somebody, like, hand-sewed or something that looks like Santa. I don't know. The whole thing, I was like, okay, yep, she looks like an aunt to me. Yep. (laughs) Kitty is handing an ornament to Lori, insisting that she's careful because it's very old. With Grandma right behind Kitty, she begins telling Lori it looks terrible and to move it to the back side of the tree. Then pointing out the obvious to Kitty that she has two red ones together. Kitty sarcastically thanks Bernice and moves to the couch to work on the other ornaments. Lori tries telling Eric to help hang the stupid ornaments just as he comes down the stairs. He quickly answers that he can't. He's planning a party. He's almost too, like, sarcastically happy about it. Like, I can't. I'm busy. Yeah, I don't have time. <laughs> I'm planning a party. In regular Lori fashion, she begins to whine that she doesn't understand why he gets to throw a party. Eric is very quick with the banter and tells her, it's because he asked, you stupid sister. <laughs> she didn't think he was very clever, so he tells her again, I don't have time to be clever. I'm planning a party, Miss Dumb Girl. Like, the worst insult ever, Miss Dumb Girl. Okay, Eric. Nice try. I love how this scene was done just because they're they're both trying not to break their truce. Um, and Kurt, you know, obviously watching their words and not giving each other away. And just, they're working as siblings, you know, to get along. I love that as we are siblings, um, we get along for the most part, but we are not as toxic as they were. Like, they're very at each other's throats all the time. Not very helpful to each other either. Like, hey, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I think it would have been really hard to grow up in an environment like that, where it's just you and one other sibling, and you're constantly just at each other. I think that would be really difficult. My spouse is one of two, and I can confirm that it can be very difficult, especially if they're close in age. (laughs) Um, Yeah. The other thing I noted with, with this was, like, Seriously, Lori, you were sitting there at the kitchen table. How did you, like, why are you upset about this? You watched Eric ask in the scene before. Oh, are you talking about, like, why he gets to have the party? Yeah, like, why is she acting as dumb as this? Like, you watched him physically ask Red, and Red was fine and dandy about it. Why are you getting upset about it? That you didn't ask first? Like, no, I think that she still just doesn't understand why Red said yes. The doorbell then rings, and Grandma insists that she'll get it. It's Jackie and some friends looking for Michael. Grandma says, there's some Michael there, and they must be at the wrong house, and then shuts the door. <laughs> okay, the, 
this is the first time I ever noticed this. Did you guys notice the Christmas cards that are taped all down the banister? I missed it. I wasn't looking hard enough. I have never noticed it before this watch, but that's, you know how like people will display all the Christmas cards that they receive during the holidays? Mm -hmm. So Kitty has them up as like a decoration for the party. They are all along the length of the banister. I never noticed that, but you're right. I do know people that do something similar Mm -hmm. upon like the entry away. Yeah, they like put everything up so that you can see all the fun Christmas cards. But Mm -hmm. yeah, that's something that Kitty did. (laughs) I'll have to rewatch this and actually notice. It's so, it's funny because it's obviously the 70s. Christmas cards now are usually like a family photo and then you have like season's greetings or something just printed on it. But these are actual like physical folding cards that just, they all are taped on one side so you can still open and close them. So they're all sitting slightly ajar all like down. (laughs) Oh, wow. Now in the foreman's kitchen, Jackie is telling Kelso that she wants him to drive her and the girls around on Christmas Eve to deliver baskets. He agrees, but tells her they have to be back in time for the party. Jackie and her friends all look very 70s, with all of them in curly and feathered hair and fur-lined jackets. Jackie, though, is in a long red coat lined with black fur, with a red plaid skirt under a green turtleneck. She's very festive. Mm-hmm. I'm th- telling you. The colors are right. She's runner-up for most festive in this episode. And warm. That looked warm. <laughs> yes. She plans well most of the time. As Jackie walks to the fridge, Fez tells the girls that perhaps they'd like to join them. The first girl says, I don't think so. But the second girl says, they're supposed to be helping the less fortunate. Girl three agrees and says, okay. Across the room, Hyde tells Jackie to come over to him. She looks over and asks why. Hyde again tells her to come over, like to come here. (laughs) She walks over and straight up tells him that if you want to make out with me, the answer is probably no. Like, where in the world do you come off straight up asking that? Like, like, why would he want to make out with you right now in front of everybody? But, okay. You're dating okay, Kelso. Jackie. Like, weirdo. <laughs> Confused, Hyde says, right, okay. Then proceeds to tell Jackie that he knows a girl and that he wants to get her a Christmas gift. Then proceeds to tell Jackie that he knows this girl and that he, he wants to get her a Christmas present. Jackie quickly responds to this and says, Oh my gosh, it's Donna. Or, oh my God, it's Donna. All Hyde can do is deny this, and Jackie asks how much he can spend. He tells her $6. Jackie tells him, you don't deserve a girl like Donna for $6. Hyde denies it again, telling her, I'm not trying to get Donna. Jackie repeats herself, saying, good, you won't get her for $6. Hyde ends the conversation and turns Jackie around and sends her back to her friends. Like, okay, we're done Stop talking. Move on. Castle <laughs> mm-hmm. leaves with the girls, and Fez tells the girls that they'll see them tomorrow and calls them babes. <laughs> Fez immediately asks Hyde what the hell he's doing buying Donna a gift. You know that Eric likes her. Hyde says, I know, but they are not official. Fez tells him that in his, his country, he would string him up on the tallest tree. And Hyde reminds him that they are not in his country, and Fez is quickly the wingman here, like, giving him the kind of hit on the shoulder and telling him, right, so good luck with Donna. (laughs) Couple of things here. Yes, I love that Jackie's response to Hyde was the answer is probably no. Like, not even a definite no to the makeout, but probably no. Real classy, Jackie. The second thing is, 
Um, what car is Jackie expecting Kelso to take them around in? That's what I was wondering too. I'm so happy you thought of this because I was like, he's always bumming a ride off of Eric with the Vista Cruiser. Mm -hmm. We've never seen him even reference being able to drive. He walks Jackie home all the time. Like, what is he supposed to take them around to deliver these gift baskets in? I don't get it. I was wondering that too. Just because if you remember in the last episode, Hyde and Kelso got rides from Eric in that episode. Yes, and they were waiting around at the school. Like, it's not like they had their own vehicle to even go home. They had to walk to Eric's house, and then they were so bummed about having to walk. Exactly. So maybe one of the other girls had a car, but then why wouldn't they just drive? Right. Why does Kelso have to do the driving? It doesn't make any sense. Plot hole. Maybe he's going to borrow a car from a sibling? Also, this is the most direct admission that we've had that Hyde is interested in Donna, apart from the whole him saying that he wanted to kiss her thing in the disco episode. He's really played it low key from then until now. We've had like little hints here and there, but um, now Fez and Jackie are both in on the secret, right? It's it's becoming more of a thing. Also, I added the, the note about Fez's country to um, our tracking sheet about him. So now Grandma Foreman and Lori return from the store with the rest of the party supplies. Grandma, thoughtful as ever, has taken it upon herself to change Kitty's shopping list because she doesn't like her taste in dip. Or probably anything, really. As they enter, Lori tries to take some of the punch that Kitty has made from the bowl on the counter. Kitty shoes her away because it's for Eric's party, which, come on, Kitty, he said no to the punch and she did it anyway. Like, oh, gosh. Kitty instead hands Lori some bottles of tonic to take to the bar and asks her to check that they have enough rum and vodka. Grandma takes the opportunity to try and tell Kitty that all the booze around the house means that Kitty has a problem. I love that Grandma can make a problem out of nothing. Kitty reminds her that they are having a party, and Grandma tells Kitty that Red didn't start to drink until he met Kitty. Kitty is apparently done putting up with Grandma because she wastes no time in responding that she didn't start to drink until she met Bernice, who is Grandma. When Grandma doesn't know how to react, Kitty just tries to laugh it off and wishes her a Merry Christmas. Like, doesn't even backtrack, doesn't backpedal, just, ah, Merry Christmas! Which I love. I That was actually one of the things that I noted was she didn't even apologize. She just ran with it because she was done at that point. She's like, ha ha, Merry Christmas! I just keep going at this point. Yeah, she doesn't even, not, doesn't even try to cover. Nothing. Just laughing at it. I love it. She quickly gets Grandma to help her with the rest of the supplies and the two exit, which is when Lori sneaks back into the kitchen to empty a bottle of rum into the punch bowl. Then down in the basement, Eric and Donna are still decorating the tree. We see them both in a different sweater top and jeans with Donna wearing clogs and she has this itty bitty braid on one side of her hair. I don't know if you guys noticed. It's like merged in with her hair. Very, very 70s. Eric hangs mistletoe above Donna's head, you know, for decoration. Donna asks if that's a fact and calls him neighbor, bringing up his comment about the adults being all over each other at their party. But then Eric moves in and the two kiss. And I said, ding, 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 ding. Eric and Donna have a cute moment. Mark it off your bingo cards. I think this is the cutest moment that we have between the two of them in this episode. It looks like the moment would have continued, but Kelso and Hyde burst into the basement and interrupt, and Donna quickly turns away back to the tree. The boys have two big bags of beer, 
and Eric shushes them and directs them to the ice chest just as Kitty and Lori come down the stairs. Okay, Kitty is again wearing the Santa apron, but now she has a green button-down shirt and she's got a red and gold plaid skirt on. This is the outfit that I mentioned earlier. I was mixing the two up that I loved. Oh, okay. And you know what? Later, she's going to add even more to this outfit. She's going to lose the Santa apron. But yes, she's she's got it going on. <laughs> Very 70s mom, but super festive. Anyway, Kitty announces that she has made punch and cookies, just like she promised. Again, showing us that she's the typical 70s mom who's going to play host, no matter if it's wanted or not. Just like she tried to do on his birthday. Remember when she threw him that birthday party and then she wanted to stay the whole time? Yep. Lori insists that since mom made it for him, he needs to drink a lot of it. Kitty completely misses how overly eager Lori seems about the punch. And instead she brings both of her kids into a hug. As she tells them how they're the best present a mother could have, they start smacking each other upside the head behind her back. Anyway, Kitty lets go of Eric and Lori. I think she kind of got a little bit of the backswing on I one did. of those hits. I noticed that too. And so she lets go. And um, as she walks away, Kelso comes back from hiding the beer. He sees Lori and makes a beeline to her, like literally jumping or rather tripping over the couch and slides into the table. He smacks his legs like shins totally smacking into this table and everyone is concerned for a moment. You even see Kitty, like, turn to see, like, what just happened. And then he manages to just say, hello, Lori. She gives him a Kelso. And all he could say back is, so, uh, cool, with a laugh. Ding, 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 ding. Mark this moment off your bingo cards. This is Kelso having a clumsy moment. For sure. And not just Kelso. Like, Ashton Kutcher himself was having a clumsy moment. But yeah. we can get into that I'm in gonna, a minute. Yeah, come back. Anyway, all of that effort that he had for such a non-conversation, just hello, Lori, and then the Kelso. Like, that's it. Fez shows up next, and he's happy when he sees Punch. And Lori way too excitedly asks if she can pour him some. Like, come on, Lori, get off it. You're being too obvious. He declines the punch, but asks if she wants to bend over and put his presents under the tree. Classy, Fez. In that moment, Kelso realizes that everyone got gifts except him. Now he has to run off and get Jackie something, even though he's breaking up with her, as he says to Lori. <laughs> Again, we thought these comments. Always, always going to break up with Jackie. But bringing us back to the whole Kelso being clumsy, if you have ever watched any um, celebrity stuff where they talk about behind the scenes. Yeah, I like any if... interviews with him? Exactly. I saw one in passing. I don't remember how or why. But he was talking about how hard he hit his shins in that take. I have seen this one, too. It sounds like it was really painful. Exactly. And it was not scripted. He was just supposed to, like, go over eagerly. But instead, he slid and totally ate it. And that's why you see everyone being so concerned. Because they were genuinely concerned when he whacked his legs that hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How do you slide, though, unless he, like, leaped over the table or the couch? Well, he did. He, like, leaps over the back of it and then... And hits the, um, the cushions, the cushions. And continues going yeah and they don't stop his momentum so he eats it like in the shins right into the table and you can see Terrible. lisa robin <laughs> kelly as Lori starting to break she's like laughing but she manages to keep it together but she's definitely laughing at him and what just happened into the next scene red is passing the time at bargain bobs by watching the little drummer boy on eight different tv screens all at once 
Kelso comes running into the store in a panic, saying that he needs to buy a Christmas gift. And does Red know that they're the only place open in the whole town? Kelso only has $17 to spend, and Red tells him they have some really nice heavy-duty extension cords. Oddly enough, that's a note from Kelso. But then suddenly he has a great idea. He wants to know the price of a refrigerator. I love that it comes back to the fridge. How much is that refrigerator? Like, oh my gosh, how did Bob know? <laughs> it's like he's had this before. I know, right? He's seen a Kelso. Many a Kelso, I'm sure. Probably. Back at the foreman's house, the basement party is getting started, and Jackie's friends are sitting on the couch looking a little bored and awkward. Each of the girls is wearing a collared shirt underneath a sweater or vest in festive colors. Fez has a reddish pink striped shirt that has a giant tropical bird next to a red flower and green pants. Fez comes to offer some beer, but they don't seem interested. Instead, they ask for some punch, but Fez keeps trying to get them to, to agree to beer. None of them seem too impressed. Meanwhile, at the store... Red and Kelso have now started playing Pong. They're having a great time, and Red exclaims that he's kicking Kelso's ass before he finally beats Kelso at the round. Ding, 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 ding. Mark it off your bingo cards. Red says ass. Kelso gets up to try to leave because Jackie's waiting for him, but Red manages to convince him to stay for one more game, and he excitedly picks up the controller again. I love that moment and how excited he is about this Pong game. Like, I could Mm. see one of us totally being like, we flash back to the party and now the punch bowl is significantly more empty than it was before fez hands a glass of punch over to one of jackie's friends and all three of them are now huddled around him with their arms around his shoulders or stroking his chest the girls are clearly drunk and all over fez they're giggling comparing fez to freddie prince Ding, 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 ding. Mark it off your bingo cards. This is a reference to a 70s celebrity. And Ricardo Modelbon. Your guess is as good as mine how to pronounce this. They call him Model Blonde as like a mistake because they're drunk and they're like slurring their words. But I think it's Montalban. Hmm. And telling him to talk really slow. <laughs> a drunk Jackie in a full red and green plaid suit comes over to claim he was her friend first and leans in with the whole group across the room Hyde, donna and eric can't figure out why the girls are acting extra stupid tonight kelso shows up to the party finally and hands jackie a present in a brown paper bag she's super excited to open her gift and finds hot rollers inside that use steam and i said ding 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 mark it off your bingo cards i'm technically counting this as a reference to 70s technology i did do a little bit of research about hot rollers to kind of verify when they started using steam versus just electric and i I was having a hard time with it technically they've been around a lot longer than just the 70s but she was excited about the steam function and we know that the 70s are a big time for using hot rollers because that's how they would get that feathered hair so i'm counting it i'm calling it good However, no matter what I do, I never seem to be able to make hot rollers work for my hair. Like, no matter how long I let them set, no matter how long I let them heat up, or if I let the curls cool down, I just, I can't get them to work. They always just make my hair go flat. I don't know. Do you guys ever use hot rollers? No. What is curling your hair? (laughs) (laughs) For reference, audience, I have thick straight hair that even if I took hours to curl it and used all the products, it will be straight in one hour. 
you know what? We have done your hair beautifully and we have to use a whole heck of a lot of hairspray to get it to stay. But it is possible with a lot of effort. And a lot of money on that product. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can get my hair to like stay curled if I use a curling wand, but I cannot make hot rollers work. I don't think I own them, so I don't think uh, any of... I just didn't ever follow that technology. No. And I think mom had them. Oh, mom, I think had, mom had all them. kinds of different kinds of curlers. I think she had Velcro curlers. I think she had hot curlers. I think she had... Um, and we never touched them. No, she, I know that she had like the perming rods, but I mean, that's a little bit different. But you could use them to like set your hair when yeah. it was wet or whatever. So she had a lot of stuff, but yeah, I never, never really liked it. I think she, I think in our household, there was always three or four different sets of like different brands of the curling irons in the different sizes because either somebody would find something better. Upstairs at the adult neighborhood party, Kitty, Lori, Midge, and Bernice are singing Christmas carols around the organ and Red has returned from work. Kitty has finally lost that Santa apron that we were talking about and she added a red and gold plaid vest that matches the skirt. She is so festive. Now, I think that Jackie's plaid suit and Kitty's plaid and gold outfit that she's wearing right now, both of them so extremely Christmas, it's ridiculous. I don't know who wins in this moment. I think Kitty's is cuter with the gold, but Jackie's is very like young, young child, not child, young teenage kind of look. Bob asks how it went at work and Red says that all he sold were some hot rollers and a pong game. When the doorbell rings, Midge answers to find two state troopers, and the troopers ask if she owns the Vista Cruiser, and in this moment, they confirm what we said in our first episode, that the Vista Cruiser is a 1969. I actually went back and double-checked our notes, because I believe that that's what we thought, and the state trooper does ask, do you own a 1969 tan, Oldsmobile, whatever? When she says no, she doesn't own it, they very patiently ask her if she knows who does. All she gives them is an excited, yes, I do. And then they ask her to get the person for them. And Midge calls over Red. The troopers enter and tell Red that their car was used in the unlawful removal of state property. And they're going to have to take the tree. Kitty is so disheartened to hear this that all she can say is, the tree, no, it's all done. No. (laughs) Blocking them with her body like that's going to work. And she's got her arms stretched out like she's going to be able to protect it from both of these guys at the same time. Meanwhile, downstairs in the basement, Hyde gives Donna the much debated and anticipated gift that he's been asking everyone for help with. He plays it off with a, "Eh, it's no big deal, you know, Christmas, whatever. And Donna opens the package. Hyde had found an old picture of he and Donna from the fifth grade that he has apparently had in his drawer for forever, and he framed it for Donna. Donna tells him how sweet the present is, and Eric awkwardly agrees that it is so sweet. Then Eric grabs his gift to Donna and encourages her to open it instead. She opens it to find white shoulders, the perfume that Midge had told Hyde about earlier. She thanks him with a kiss on the cheek, and Eric seems very pleased with himself. But then Donna goes right back to admiring the picture from Hyde instead. As she looks closely, she realizes that you can see her training bra through her shirt, which I think would make me die of embarrassment if that ever happened. I would just fall into a pit right then. And Hyde just laughs and admits that he remembers the the training bra. 
Eric tries to say that, you know, he should have gotten her something more like Hyde's gift. And Hyde tries to shrug it off with an, oh, it's nothing. But Donna doubles down that it's the sweetest thing anyone's ever given her. She even leans over and gives Hyde a kiss on the cheek before turning and seeing Eric's face. And then she kind of covers with a lame, oh, uh, next to the perfume. Eric gives an even more lame response of, I wrapped it myself. I know how you like things wrapped. So (laughs) that's all he had. Okay. One thing I noticed, though, I don't know if you guys noticed this. It's always bothered me every time I see this episode. Donna is 100% holding the picture frame upside down. Did you guys notice? No. Mm-mm. No. When Okay, so when she's holding it, you can't actually see what's going on. But the um, the little leg stand part is upside down. And it's like, as she moves it around in her hand, you can kind of see it coming away from the frame. And that's how you can tell that the picture is upside down. Also, how did you guys feel about Hyde saving this picture to give to Donna? What did you think of the gift? I think the gift is fine. What he says about he's kept it in his drawer for years, it's kind of weird. Uh, Not necessarily, I feel like. Because maybe that's just where he could safely store things in his household. So that way they wouldn't get ruined by his mom's other boyfriends over times and years. Like, safety is putting your things away, like, away and not on an open dresser top. I think it kind of reveals a little bit about Hyde. Like, he tries to come off as the tough guy, but then he obviously really treasures this friendship that he has with Donna. And who knows, maybe he has photos of, like, him and Eric growing up or him and Kelso or whatever, but there are obviously things that are important to him, and we can see that he, you know, actually does have feelings about things, people, whatever. You know, he holds them near and dear to him, even though he would never admit to it. So I kind of like it that he has saved it forever. But yeah, you're right. It's unexpected for Hyde. The kids don't have too much time to sit in this awkwardness for too long because just as they're saying this, the camera pulls out and we see Red standing at the bottom of the stairs ready to crash the party. He comes down and mentions that Eric is going to have to explain the beer. But first he needs to explain the state trooper is confiscating the Christmas tree. Eric tries to stall for a moment, but Red is not having it tonight. Red demands that Eric needs to get to the point and Eric immediately blurts out that they cut down the tree off the side of the interstate. Red instantly shuts down the party, grounds Eric, and wants the rest of the $40 back. When Eric says that Kelso has it, Red instantly knows that he's not getting the money back. Jackie comes over and hugs Kelso again for her present, sobbing at how much she loves him and hiccuping while doing it. Then the three cheerleaders start crying as well, saying, God bless us, everyone. Jackie is still in love mode and bursts out to the whole room that Hyde loves Donna. Hyde jumps up immediately and starts denying it and calling Jackie crazy. Eric and Donna both clock a weird reaction, but Red goes right to asking about if the girls have been drinking. Eric says that all they have had was Kitty's punch and finally the mystery is solved. Red tries the punch and claims it's lousy with hooch. Hyde doubles down on Jackie being drunk. And so what she is saying is drunk talk, false. Everyone should forget about it. Red takes charge of the situation with orders for everyone. He's going to take the girls home. Eric needs to put the beer in his fridge. Donna has to go upstairs to her dad. Hyde has to clean up. 
and Kelso has to go home. Okay, one thing I noticed, and I had never really seen it before, but when Red is trying the punch in the bowl, and he starts to say his line, lousy with hooch, you can see Kelso in the background, and he very, very subtly is saying the line as well, like mouthing the line, lousy with hooch. You can barely see his lips moving, but once you know that that's what's going on, you can totally see that that's what he's mouthing. I have not noticed that, but next time I watch it, I will definitely see it. You'll see it and you'll be like, now I can't unsee it. Well, have you ever noticed that sometimes in the background there are like little smiles and like breaks every now and again from the Uh, other characters? Yes. 100%. When they were doing the party scene earlier, I actually was watching Jackie interact with some of the background actors before Kelso shows up. And I was trying to watch and see, is this her being Jackie or is she just being like conversational in the background because she's supposed to be like at a party? I couldn't tell. But yeah, (laughs) that was another background thing I was watching. So one thing that I noticed, you know, it being in the 21st century versus the 20th century, if the girls are drunk and Red goes upstairs with them, wouldn't Red be concerned about him getting in trouble for the girls drinking on his property with state troopers being there? Ooh, that's a good question because I forgot that the state troopers are there. Yeah, he's asking them as they're confiscating the tree. So if he's coming upstairs and they're still confiscating the tree, if they're still processing it, whatever, wouldn't he be potentially in trouble? Or would it be maybe the city police that would need to do that? I don't know. Or would he get in trouble because it's the 70s and if he just says, I'm, I'm just going to give these girls a ride home, like, would he get in trouble? I don't know. That's a really good question. But like, I think have about never it. thought about that. Nowadays, you would definitely get in trouble because oh, yeah. of your property. Underage drinking on your property, 100% you're going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. But back then in the 70s, I don't know. As everyone leaves the basement, Donna thanks Eric and Hyde again for their gifts. It turns out she got gifts for them as well. She hands a present to each of the guys with a quick kiss on the cheek as she hands it to them. As they both stare awkwardly at her standing between them, she hesitates for a minute trying to act casual. And then she fully nopes out of the situation and heads upstairs. The guys seem defensive about their gifts. Hyde instantly asks Eric what he got, and he quickly responds with an ID bracelet. Hyde tries to act casual by asking if it has his name on it, and Eric says yes, but instantly asks about Hyde's gift. Hyde takes a moment to open it, still trying to stay casual with a little head nod to Eric as he unwraps it. When he finally gets it open, he says, tube socks, and we get a too loud and too quick good from Eric. Realizing he reacted too harshly, he backs down and says, I mean, tube socks are good. And both boys awkwardly stand there with their gifts. Okay, if you're Donna in this moment, and you have just gotten this amazing sentimental gift from Hyde, how do you feel about the fact that you only got him tube socks? (laughs) I maybe wouldn't think twice about it because if they if they've been friends for as long as they have, maybe she did know the need of her friend. Like if he's borrowing shoes, like in the previous episode, he was wearing his uncle's boots in the winter. So maybe she knew that his type of need was a pair of socks, a pair of boots, kind of maybe a pair of mittens, like. Things that maybe his mom hasn't gone out and bought for because maybe she feels like he's old enough, he'll get it on his own, or, you know, just hasn't taken care of. 
That's a good point. I just feel like they got her these nice things and then she literally got him socks, which to me seems a little bit less nice. But yeah, maybe that's true. He was borrowing his uncle's boots in the last episode. But also, to Socks' defense, that is Danielle's go-to gift for Christmases. She's always like, everyone needs socks. Let me just get them socks for Christmas. Also, she probably didn't want to, you know, cross a boundary maybe with Hyde giving him any other ulterior ideas, motives, you know, to continue. Yeah, she Socks is, were safe. Yeah, she is, I think, aware of the situation with Hyde and definitely doesn't want to act like she's interested as well. But I mean... She but can, a good friend. Yeah. But Socks. <laughs> We're at the last scene, and Bob is in the foreman kitchen still. He thinks Red for working tonight and that it was slow. Red tells him, no problem. They tell each other Merry Christmas, cheers with their drinks, and then Bob tells Red to give him a hug. Red says no, that men can't hug. Bob hugs him anyways after, like, a banter about it being the 70s, and it's all right. Because he gives him a hug because it's Christmas. And Bob looks up and says, hey, look, it's mistletoe. Red very quickly looks up, almost freaked out, to find Bob pointing and laughing at him. Like, he just got him, like, (laughs) scaring him with that kind of a whole situation. I love that. The callback to the mistletoe situation with your neighbor. Bob, Bob is really good at tricking Red. I love how much he tries to rib on him and, like, mess with him all the time. Well, when you have somebody that's too serious, you're gonna get that. (laughs) I know. And Bob just doesn't care. He's, like, not scared of Red. He'll, He'll just mess around with him. Um, online though, when I was doing some research for this episode, somebody mentioned that you can see Christmas lights in the crack in the kitchen door leading to the living room, like in this scene, because they're in the kitchen and they said, if you look behind them through the the swinging door or whatever that takes you to the living room, you can kind of see Christmas lights. So I was watching for that when I was watching the episode and... I did kind of see Christmas tree lights. And the reason that that's a big deal is because the tree has supposedly been confiscated. So there shouldn't be lights from a Christmas tree in there. Now, it could possibly just be like a living room light fixture that's giving the lights, but it does kind of look a little bit like Christmas lights shining through. So I don't know. I'm going to let everybody be the judge of that on their own. It could be Christmas lights. It could be regular lights. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just going to set this scenario out. We just very quickly go from Red in the living room to going downstairs and getting after Eric and possibly driving home the girls. Now, maybe this scene is supposedly before he takes home the girls. That's true. And he just has come upstairs from the basement. He's talking to Bob now that the party's over upstairs. So the party, you know, is technically over upstairs, but, and people have started to leave, but the tree could still be there. And maybe Kitty is having to take their ornaments off and oh, you, you know think like that they're like in the process still of taking it away i mean like depending on how the you know timeline could have could have worked out like i said if he hasn't taken home the girls yet maybe he's upstairs bob's thanking him and like i'm saying like kitty's in the other room probably taking off their personal ornaments you don't want those going to the you know uh, wherever the state troopers take the tree right. but you know taking care of their property Maybe the lights haven't come off yet, and it's still in their house. Well, and it could also just be, like, before the state troopers have shown up, too. But it just was an interesting note that somebody found online, and I was like, okay, maybe. You can kind of see lights through there, so I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is, but just something to be aware of. Yeah. Okay, and that's the end of the episode. That was the whole thing. I love that tag at the end. I think it's a great moment. 
What did everybody think the funniest moment of this episode was? I just pointed out very quickly the very end with uh, Bob and the Mistletoe. Like, you you can't go wrong with that. He was definitely like Red was so scared. Red was panicked, and like, Bob was don't. like, ah. <laughs> loved it. Like, where does Bob think he's getting off kissing another guy? <laughs> just, I love that he just tries to make Red feel awkward. See, for me, I pulled the Nanjali, and I have multiple. <gasps> oh, that's so nice. I'm so happy for you. Let's hear them all. So my first one was the when they were cutting down the tree, and so the boys say, car, and Kelso pops Where? up. Where? <laughs> I love that. I, it's just funny for me, because there's always one friend. <laughs> always. It like, doesn't get what everybody else is trying to do. Come on now. I also love the Red and Michael playing Pong, because you don't really see those two like actually getting along. So I liked that. Like, just fun, but also... Like, when you're having fun playing video games and you get into it, it's just fun just having that, that and camaraderie. Like, Red, like, allowing himself to have a good time with the kids mm-hmm. not very often happens. But my favorite, this is, for me, this is most relatable as well, is Donna noping out of this situation oh when she's goodness. feeling awkward and just bails. I loved that. Yeah, she, like, doesn't even try to make awkward conversations. She's just like, nope, nope. I'm done. I'm done. Mine was Jackie outing Hyde in front of everyone and him trying to cover. Like, his panic and, that's that's drunk talk, man. She's crazy. She's crazy. Like, all of it. I loved it. Okay, best quote. Best quote of the episode. I don't know about quote, but I guess it kind of falls into it with uh, the grandma answering the door. Simply, (laughs) like, there's no Michael here. You must have the wrong house. You have the wrong address done. Something, you know, just something along those lines. But it was just, like, so funny, like, she didn't even bother to ask Kay, is one of Eric's friends, you know, here, knowing that Kitty would probably know. Mm-hmm. She didn't bother asking. It's like, she's acting like it's her place. Yeah. But that's, yeah. It's kind of funny. <laughs> For me, my favorite one was Kitty. No! Yeah, that's, <laughs> the that's all she could get out. No! <laughs> I had two. I was trying really hard to not have too many on this one, but you I... You really limited yourself with this I one. I did. I tried hard. <laughs> Um, the first one was, Hyde, if you want to make out with me, the answer's probably no. <laughs> and I'm going to note here, that was Danielle's favorite one as well. Yes, it's the best. I just love the probably. Like, that's just, oh, you gotta love it. And then the second one was, as the girls are leaving the party, Fez, Eric, do something. Your father's taking my women. <laughs> he finally had girls interested in him and then they're having to leave. I loved it. Okay, most relatable moment. For me, like I said, mine was the Donna in the situation. Um, so side note for me, when I was hanging out with some friends, I was dating one of the people there. But in that same um, group, there was an, also another person that I had previously dated. And we were all playing and uh, going to b- play some cards. And there were two spots left at the table. One was in between the person I was currently dating and somebody who I had previously dated. Oh, and so you'd be like in between the two guys. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. And like they were both, one was single, the one I had previously dated and the current guy was, so you I was seeing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then there was one ta- chair on the other side of the table and I just, I noped out of there. I wasn't even, gonna, I looked at the, t- like the chair that was empty between the two boys and I was just like, nope, I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to do it. Nope. <laughs> 
Nope. Love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that's such a oh, such an awkward situation. Like, oh, what do you do? I love it. I love that you noped out. I love that. Okay, so most relatable for me, I also kind of put like knowing two people either both like you or have liked you or you've had like a situation where you've been seeing one or not. I'm trying to leave this as broad as possible because I don't want to be like, oh, look at me with all my suitors. But like there have been times where I've been in a room or in a situation with two people that I've either been seeing or both have expressed that they were interested in me or whatever. And you just kind of sit awkwardly and like, how do I juggle the situation? How do I react to this? So I related to Donna in that. I love that she noped out. I usually try to just like make it not awkward and just like talk to everybody or turn to somebody else and talk to them instead of the two because I don't want to deal with the awkwardness. But yeah, I like I liked Donna's just nope, I'm out. The second thing, though, that was most relatable for me, 100% was waiting until the absolute last minute to buy a gift for someone and then trying to find something at the store quickly. Like, anything last minute that you're like, I have to get something today. Like, Christmas Eve shopping. Oh, I'm the worst. I am so bad at procrastinating. That 100% felt real to me with Kelso. Did you have a most relatable moment? No, I don't think so. None that really fully came to mind. Hmm. So we didn't have any fantasies in this episode, which is a little bit rare, but it it was a heavy episode of like moving the storyline forward, I feel like, especially with the Hyde and Donna and Eric situation, which I liked. But also it was about a holiday, so it also makes sense that there wasn't necessarily a fantasy in kind of a specialized episode. Yes. I did like the focus on Christmas, though. I really enjoy every time I turn this episode on, hearing the, the Grinch playing. For some reason, I'm just like, oh, this is gonna be a good one every single time. I like it. Okay, so if you liked our episode, make sure that you leave us a review, you can leave us a a rating. Um, Next week, we'll be doing season one, episode 13, Ski Trip. So be sure to join us for that. And make sure to check us out on Instagram at We Watch Rewatch Podcast. You'll see some of my bingo cards. We need to start adding some more things on there, though, too. But mm-hmm. you'll see some of my bingo cards from the episodes. And you can also find the blank bingo cards so you can play along yourself. And we just appreciate you listening. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. Bye.